everyone. Welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast presented by BasketballNews.com. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Katie. Um, it's been a while since I did an episode with Katie so far. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well. Yeah, it has been a minute. I'm trying to think. I feel like the last time we were on together, it was like really kind of a depressing wintertime episode. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think it was like like mid-spring or something like that, like before the playoffs. I think yeah. there was like a good third of the season left to go. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyways, how are you liking the playoffs? Because today's episode will be a playoff run-through. We're kind of going to assess the, the series that have happened that are ongoing right now. I think we're done with one um, in regards to Bucks Heat. But how are you liking the playoffs first round so far? You know, I have to say I'm in way more into it than I thought I would be, honestly. Yeah. Like I thought, okay, there's probably going to be a couple series that I get into um, or it's just sort of like intriguing to watch now, but I'll probably maybe get more into it as things move on. But actually, like, I don't know, save for like maybe two of these eight, I'm into kind of all of them. And they've all had their like highs and lows and sort of interesting moments. Um, yeah. And I, maybe it's because as a Raptors fan, all the pressure is off. Like it's, it's, it's kind of bittersweet to watch from this perspective, you know, with like nobody in the fight, but I'm also, I'd also don't mind it. Cause I feel like, you know, I'm taking a little nibble here, <laughs> kind of dabbling. <laughs> here. Like there's no pressure. It's just like an easy watching my like uh, affiliations can change kind of like every other day, you know, who I'm rooting for. It's like, there's no stakes. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's the, part that I'm enjoying most right now. There's no like dread on game day or something. Um, but yeah, as you said, there's like, except for a couple series, this is actually a really competitive first round, which is like very refreshing. Um, it tends to be far more lopsided than this. I feel mm -hmm. like there are very few favorites or like sure things except for a couple of teams. And it seems that the lower seed has kind of given it their all uh, throughout the league today, so um, that's that's it's it's been good basketball. Um, some great performances, some you know uh, guys to note from every series. So we're gonna run through those. So we kind of loosely ordered them based on the watchability <laughs> of every series <laughs> um, that we've enjoyed so far. So to start, Suns and Lakers. Um, it it seems that injuries are starting to like creep up on this series which can make it which is horrible because we want to see a fully healthy Suns and Lakers team but right now it looks like AD is um injured I believe correct me if I'm wrong but KCP's injured too oh god is he yeah because I'm see seeing a lot of Wes Matthews and I feel like I saw uh KCP in street clothes helping AD off the court so uh, you have that. And then you have Chris Paul, who's clearly not himself right now. He's struggling. Um, he is um, has like a shoulder thing happening right now, which is kind of um, messing with his game. Um, but besides that, um, what is something that is like of note for you in this series? I think just like initially the competitiveness of it, I was yes. so happy for... Chris Paul and the Suns to get to this stage. Um, I really like the Suns team. You know, they're super energetic. They're super hungry. I think it's like the perfect bratty team for Chris Paul to head up with his mm -hmm. own like bossy, like beautiful bossy energy. Um, and I was really curious to actually just see like, was this Lakers slide that we saw them do to like at the end of this, the regular season, was that for real? You know, was that them just coasting? Mm -hmm. um, kind of what was the deal with that and how would they dig in? Would they dig in or not, you know? And I think the the biggest bummer, as you said, obviously, is CP3 is hurt. Like, and I think, you know, Paul's had so many bad luck injuries in all oh, like, yeah. in his playoff career, you know? And I, it's awful. I have a weird feeling that he perhaps like dislocated his shoulder. I just think it was a bit more serious than they were letting on, which like, Totally, that's their prerogative, I think, at this point in the playoffs. But I, I was heartened to see the way that he was playing today. Um, he did kind of seem like, okay, a little bit more range of movement, like still not 100% uh, fluid at all, but just like he was able to kind of turn it on uh, more than we've seen him in the past couple. So I think my hope is that it still remains kind of an even series. 
the Lakers still have this like, or like LeBron still has this uncanny ability to turn it on whenever he wants to. Um, but like, you know, AD has that groin injury now. I think he's day to day. I just looked it up. I think KCP has non-structural quad damage. So I guess he may also be day to day, but yeah, you, you make a good point about injuries. Like this is sort of one of the fears I think we had for this season. of like injuries creeping up, uh, uh, they've been kind of creeping up and ticking up all season long. And now you get into crunch time uh, and it's kind of like the last thing that you want to see happen. Yeah. And you noted that like, this is kind of the perfect bratty team for Chris Paul. Uh, and I agree <laughs> because like, it's a dynamic that works for him. He's like surrounded by talented young guys who are, I, I think willing to allow him to be that dominant personality in the locker room. And I feel mm-hmm. like when, when he was dealing with other stars that are like in his age group and everything, I feel like that kind of caused a clash um, in terms of team, team chemistry, but he just has some guys that are just willing to absorb his, uh, you know, the wisdom he's acquired through the years as, you know, a top point guard. Um, and it's like had such great results. And it, it would suck that this is, if this is the end of the road for them um, because of, him getting those unlucky injuries. So hopefully he um, starts to heal up as the playoffs go along. Hopefully, they say that AD is day-to-day, so hopefully he's back as well because I would hate for, you know, the Lakers to be out with injuries. I feel like it'll just lead to, like, years of, you know, LeBron's lost year. Yeah, LeBron would have had oh, this yeah. championship <laughs> in the bag if he, if only his co-star was not injured. So I just want them to um, have a healthy series just to save us from the discourse <laughs> that would emerge from that. Uh, so that's a very on, good point. <laughs> the other LA series, Mavs and Clippers, um, it, that looked dicey momentarily <laughs> for with that two and zero lead that the Mavs had, which is like unimaginable to me if someone told me that that was the case I would have thought the Clippers would have come out blazing kind of like with the Bucks heat situation Mm -hmm. um after um the Mavs got the better of them for a couple days a couple games last season but to see them like kind of just submit so early on in the series and put themselves into that sort of deficit um obviously the Mavs aren't the best closing team that's kind of become their reputation um that they have issues with closing games and whatnot so they could very well end up winning four in a row the Clippers but as it looks right now they put themselves at a bit bit of a disadvantage they're playing as we speak um and that series I feel like I feel like Luca just continuously is up for the moment like I it's very special when you see a player who's just willing to deliver constantly when put in the limelight, when put in the spotlight, um, and not only meet expectations for the postseason and for just his play in general, but to exceed them constantly. Like just when you think that you have this guy figured out, he just kind of amazes you more, which I think is like such a marker of a, of a top, top, top player in this league. Um, And the fact that he's like, only 22 years old, amazing us like this. I can't really imagine what he's going to be like into his prime. Like that, that thought is just kind of just perplexing. You cut out a little bit. Um, oh, okay. What right after you said he's 22, there was like a clip. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what part point is this? Um, um, we started recording at 45. Let me. I'd say that was probably around 8 35. Okay. I'm recording too, so I've got oh, it. Okay, perfect. Now. I'll note that in the email. Um, cool. And yeah, at at 22 years old, to be able to um, produce at this level, like I can't really imagine what he's going to be like as he enters his prime. He's like well before his prime at this point. So the thought of what he could accomplish when he's at the peak of his powers is is just perplexing. I looked up his age today, actually, because I was like, huh? like you know, he played he played in. Uh, like Spain for a really long time, it seemed like. I was like, he maybe he's a little older. It's like, no, nope. he's not at all. He's just like, as you mentioned, like he loves not just the spotlight, but like the most tense and like stressful moments, you know? Like he wants the ball, like he wants all the moments that he can get in, in like that time. And like he thrives there. And I have to say, like, this was one series that I actually have said, like on record saying, most apathetic about, don't really care either way. And this has been such a surprise for me, mostly because I am kind of relishing how much Lucas seems to hate Porzingis. 
as oh, much God. as he hates Patrick Beverly and like a handful of other Clippers. Like he's just kind of has to do it all. Porzingis has been like such a wash. Like I don't want to talk about him too much, but <laughs> he's been part awful. Of me is also just like. And apparently they don't like each other. I think I I saw that a few weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think they do. And I get it. I don't like Porzingis either. But I also think like Porzingis was never, he was lauded for like being the unicorn, quote unquote, like when he was in New York, when the Knicks were still terrible, when they would kind of put their weight behind any sort of glimmer of hope. And I think, you know, that didn't really follow him uh, to Dallas. He's never really played that way there. And I think just like being so ineffectual, I think Luca is just, as you said, like he's someone who just thrives so much in the moment that he can't comprehend when someone else is bad at that, you know? (laughs) Like just do what he's doing. Yeah. Just like, just look at me, do what I'm doing. I mean, like even like everyone has stepped up, like Hardaway Jr. stepped up, like everyone is like doing a little bit, but that is true. Yeah. First steps is just like, he can't do anything. (laughs) No, Tim Hardaway Jr. is like, just kind of the unsung hero of this Luca era, I feel like. Yes. I, I feel like in, in hindsight, a few years down the line, we're going to be like, he was a great world player alongside Luca, but I feel like he's constantly taking these big shots. He's just like the perfect role guy next to Luca as a spacing, um, you know, three and D defender kind of guy. Um, and I feel like he doesn't get enough appreciation for it because of, you know, the, you know, the expectations and all of that. Um, but oh, he's been so great. Um, and I think he took a huge shot in game one, which basically sealed the win for them, um, which can go unnoticed. Um, and it, I would love for the series to just remain competitive. That's my thing. Like, I don't really care who comes out of it either. Um, but I, I'd love to see um, the Clippers uh, sweat out a little more than they than they anticipated and that they were kind of avoiding with... They, they kind of tanked towards the end of the season in order to be matched up with the Mavs, um, which I think is like a few people are talking about and then now they're in this deficit... <laughs> <laughs> heading into tonight's game. So uh, hopefully Luca continues to try and give them nightmares and just, you know, play like he hates them. <laughs> Makes for great like, TV. Full disclosure, we, I don't know, we're, I guess we're a good, by the time you listen to this tomorrow, what we say won't matter because we're so just like, doesn't really matter in this series. You know what I mean? We're not like calling yeah. it one way or another. We're just, we're just here for what unfolds. I'm here for Serge's like, oh wait, do you want to talk about Serge's uh, voodoo? <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. Let's talk about that. So, uh, for for those who don't know, um, prior to game, what was it? Game three, mm-hmm. uh, the other night, um, he was like, ins- he he ins- like ensured his followers that the Clippers are taking it tonight, and he was extremely confident in that notion. And he uh, very he very quickly lets us know um on his twitter account that he does in fact have a voodoo room first of all he said that he uh, what what is it that he said is exactly that he um what was it he was in his voodoo room or he he's like i'll show you i'm in my voodoo room and then like i'll show you it yeah yeah today some (laughs) raptors fan asked um what was her i'm gonna actually give credit because this was this is my kind of journalism Serge Ibaka. So I'm going to find the exact words of this exchange because it's like, it's Ibaka gold. Um, Yeah, I see it right now. Yeah, so it was at I am a Raptors fan. OMG Ananobi is their handle. Um, Hi, Serge. Very important question. This was several hours ago. Do you have a voodoo room? And Serge says, yes, I will show you when the game starts. So uh, I'm going to find the initial. Yes, exactly. So is this guy tweeting from the bench? Someone remarked to Serge uh, because he is injured, I believe. And he he lets them know I was tweeting from my voodoo room, and I said I said that you guys think Serge is kidding, <laughs> but I am sure he has a voodoo room. I do not th- doubt that. Um, and the the people acting like oh my god, what the hell? Like WTF <laughs> in response to this? Um, let's not have a superiority complex to voodoo. Uh, from what I understand so far, it's been very effective. Like <laughs> they mm-hmm. won that game. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I like how he's also using it to like uplift fans. There's there's people that are tweeting at him that are like, "Surge, we suck. It's over." Like a million crying emojis, and he's basically just like, "Don't worry, I got us." I. <laughs> he's very confident. He's very confident. You know, that's the very effective witchcraft here at mm-hmm. work. Um, but also, um, yeah, let's talk about the fact that Surge has been down O2. This is the third time in his career. <laughs> And it seems that his team emerges victorious every single time. So I just want to know, like, from what I understand, when OKC was um, down 0-2 to the Spurs, I believe, um, he he allegedly, like, had a speech where he was trying to kind of uplifting players and they they had to kind of deal with this adversity. Happened once again with the Raptors when they were down 0-2 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Apparently he gave a very inspiring, some very inspiring remarks. And then, again, his team is down 0-2. So I just kind of want to know what Serge's 0-2 speech is. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is he saying that's motivating these guys so much in, like, such bleak situations? Um, like, I, I can't really imagine anything. Like, he must be letting them... I, he probably... I feel like with the Raptors, he probably referenced the OKC Spurs deficit. And then with the Clippers, he probably referenced the Raptors, Bucks, and OKC Spurs <laughs> situations. So he has history now. Yeah, now it's just like, why wouldn't you believe this guy? And now I'm inclined to believe that Kawhi wasn't the X Factor. It was always Surge. <laughs> it was Surge. <laughs> we go. What was it that uh, Kawhi said? We're going back to Toronto. I was like, what, what, do, you, what do you do after? Uh, what, what do you plan to do for Game Three or something like that? And then he's like, oh, we're going back to enough. Toronto. <laughs> Oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like desserts and alcohol, but that was that came later. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the all timer. Um, so moving on to my favorite series right now, which is like a series that I'm like I'm watching like every game of it. I don't know why I can't get enough of it. It's very um, there's always a couple of spats during the game. It's very uh, hot blooded. The audiences have been super involved um, and animated right now both in Atlanta and in New York, and that's the Hawks versus the Knicks. Um, Trey Young has just... Trey Young has... Like, the Madison Square Garden crowd has found their match in mm-hmm. Trey Young because he's just as, like, belligerent and... Um, what is it? Like, he has this attitude about him that completely matches their energy, and they're almost like, oh, okay. <laughs> we yeah, can't intimidate this guy. <laughs> he kind of... Def- he, like, feeds off the energy and then kind of deflects it. They're yeah, like, like are, are we are we making him more powerful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst situation. It's like um in like every like anime or something. There's always that monster where you attack them and they absorb the energy mm-hmm. and then throw it back at you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like that monster that no one really knows how to defeat. Like he's everything that they're all that negative energy, the booing, the chants about his hair. Uh, it just seems to make him even more like. Uh, just taunting and everything like that. And it, it's fabulous. Like, I love it. I love, I've, I've always liked Trey Young, even when people weren't so high on him. Um, but to see him kind of um, putting everything together and using his powers to like inflict pain <laughs> on the New York Knicks has been like, I hate that it had to be the Knicks because I want RJ Barrett to do well. And I, I do like their story this season. Um, but, oh God, what a tough matchup for them. This is a really good, it's like such an evenly matched series, you know, like teams like both kind of like almost like comprised of a lot of the same style of players, like kind of similar energy levels, sort of like young, hungry teams that don't really know if they were against, like if either of them were against a team that had more playoff experience, it would be one of those cases where you just hope the younger team like has it in their head that they're not going to lose for as long as possible because the minute that they kind of inject some doubt into their heads, it's over. But the fact that both of these teams have no doubt about either, like about themselves because they're just happy to like be on this stage makes it so compelling to watch. I also want to say like on the Trey Young note, like, you know, I was a bit kind of waffling on him this season just because there were some complaints just about his sort of, he's just like a very specific style of player right like he can be he can be kind of cocky like a lot of other coaches don't like him they don't like playing against him they worry that the calls go his way and a part of me was like all right like like, let's see how he does when he gets to this stage exactly like can he back up the 
kind of like he has but he's butted heads with coaching over you know in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. is this guy is this a guy who can, who can walk the walk or you know like when he's doing the the ice tray taunts in the regular <laughs> season? Like is it going to be maintained in the postseason? And it looks like it is. Yeah, and that's like a great thing because like when you can back it up, it becomes just that much more and it becomes authentically entertaining. Mm-hmm. It does, and I have to good. say like. I didn't think Ice Tray was that clever before, and now I'm like, it is. It is. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite cold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, No, this one's very fun, and, like, I also, I don't know, apart, like, I like both of these teams. I would be, I'm going to be just so thrilled for either of them because either of them is just going to be so stoked and probably uh, just get swept in the next round. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, I will say, like, I do hope for the Hawks to do well. I do like the uh, success that McMullen has been having with them. So just seeing how he seemed to kind of rally the guys. He does have playoff experience as a coach. He's had terrible luck with his star players getting hurt in the postseason. Um, but to see him, like, kind of get these um, younger players on his roster out of their heads and playing with crazy confidence and swagger and everything, like, it's what you want to see a coach do for a young team. So um, for just for that, I, I'd love to see him move on to the next round. Um, I think it would be great experience for Trey Young and kind of just make him hungry to move on to the postseason and give us a show every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but Julius uh, Randle has been struggling in the postseason. Um, his shot is just not falling, and it seems to be affecting his confidence because I feel like it's kind of, much like with Pascal in the bubble, it's bleeding into the rest of his game where he's second-guessing his handle. He's not getting passes on the, uh, you know, um, in the shooter's pocket which was just his bread and butter for the season he's mm-hmm. averaged like over six, six six assists for the season so to see him struggling um in so many aspects of his game it's, it's not too shocking considering where he's come from he's gone from a few losing situations he had that breakout season um and we're seeing him um in the playoffs for the first time in his career so it's not too shocking i don't i feel like what we saw from him in the regular season was just flat out skill so this is not something I expect to happen regularly, but seeing him as a number one option for their first time in the postseason, uh, it's a tough situation. So I'm not surprised. I was telling people to just wait. This is the guy's first time in the postseason. He's had one breakout year. He's going to have a hard time. Def- defenses are going to be keyed in on him, making his life hell. So don't be shocked if he struggles there. Uh, and it's no surprise. I feel like I anticipated it and we're kind of seeing that. Uh, but I'm not going to write him off completely. He's still like an excellent player and had an excellent season yeah like he could still I'm not gonna write him off for like his whole like regular season performance considering I think like he carried this team here in my opinion um it's it is like a really apt um comparison between him and Pascal in the bubble when you just sort of saw that deflation and you did see it bleed over into everything else you're just like just shoot man like just like make it (laughs) you know like Pascal just like just drive, just like pick a spot, like just do something, you know, like, and I think with, with him, it's just like you, he's such a bullying sort of like physical confident player throughout the rest of the season. It's super weird to see Randall now sort of like back off everything. Um, I don't know. Otherwise, like, I I guess, I guess this is where like the magic sort of falters because when you look at the rest of the Knicks, like I really like RJ too, but like you look at the rest of the team, you're like, but who else do they really have to carry this? Um, So I guess like the Hawks have that to their advantage. I think they're just a slightly better, they're like a more put like better put together team. Yeah. They're very balanced. And what's funny is that people are saying like, uh, why isn't like Derrick Rose has no help? Blah blah blah. Oh, and I'm like, if Derrick Rose is scoring, that's been like a bad omen for this whole series. <laughs> like, it's not a good sign if he has a if he has um a high points total. Like, mm-hmm. it, it probably means that uh, Julius is struggling. It probably means that first of all, they're not keyed in on him. He's not like a threat to them. If if he's gonna score, they'd much rather him score than Julius Randle because when Julius is scoring and when he's going, he's going to get the, that triple double. He's going to make everyone around him better. So you may as well make life difficult for him and allow Derrick Rose to get his you know layups. Like it's not, it's it's far less of a threat than uh, Julius kicking it out for the wide open three. Um, or getting into the rim and getting the getting his and ones as well. So mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I, I'm not going to reflect on, I don't want people to think of this as like the lost Derrick Rose series where his, you know, his co-star failed him, blah, blah, blah. No, it, it's not a good sign if Derrick Rose is scoring well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's just like, it's weird when he is your first or second option. Like, I don't really want to, like, it is just like, we don't have to talk about it a lot. I don't think you want to, I definitely don't want to, but the yeah. <laughs> arc, like that's just like this plane failing to take off almost like every other season at this point now, like, just let it go. Oh, yeah. Like, if it's if it's over for him. Like, if preferably he would not be playing on any team for me. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, um, I'd hate that he, I hate that he's on such a likable, like, collection yeah. of guys, like, with them right now. I feel like he's just kind of this stain <laughs> on the perfect picture for the Knicks. Yeah. But we should talk about more young, likable guys. The Grizzlies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Moving on to the next series, which has been um, really good so far. I've been in and out on it. Um, I watched um, the first couple games. So Utah and Memphis. Like, first of all, Memphis has like been one of the best stories of the season. Like John Morant, I feel like John Morant is like everyone's favorite player right now. <laughs> <laughs> because not only is he he's someone who's like he's such a likable and like funny guy and I feel like his game matches his personality so well like it's kind of this high energy explosive like kind of quirky game and people would always say like yeah but will those funky play uh layups work in the postseason and they are working <laughs> very well apparently he had a career high or uh, a career high and a franchise high in points for the postseason, I think he had like 47 for the mm-hmm. Grizzlies. So this guy's breaking records. No matter what happens this season, I think he's like, he's going to be like that guy amongst point guards like five years down the line. Yeah, he's just like an actualized beam of light to watch him. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm less worried now. Remember when you would like watch him, I feel like last season, and you were just like wincing every time he would take off because he would just land... He just like, oh, yeah. jumps and contorts his body and like lands in the worst, like hardest, craziest way. But I feel like, you know, we should have had faith in him all along that he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but this team is just like him and Dylan Brooks, like the two of them, like together are such a fantastic like duo to watch. It's hard to watch this series and not like root for the Grizzlies like with your whole heart and basically. Jay-Z oh Jay-Z's God, been just, fantastic for them like having his like his moment in the sun he's just like basking in it and he is just also so fantastic like JV looks amazing oh god he's like bringing back that kind of traditionalist point uh the center right now like with all I feel like all the rave is the three and d center who can you know stretch the floor and everything and has mm-hmm. uh point guard skills to boot um but he's just like he's like very meat and potatoes <laughs> the center <laughs> and he does it so well um in a way like few guys in the league are doing right now and like just to see him rack up those double doubles and everything it's been so fun to see um and like He's still, like, how old is he? I feel like he's, what, 29 or something now? 28 or something? He so, is 29, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, he's 29 years old. Um, I think he has a couple years on his current contract. So I think this guy's going to get big money right after this once again. Um, he, you know, just proving himself to be a starting caliber point guard on a team that is making a run in the playoffs, which is just amazing. He And he's just, like, kind of the perfect balance like you you mentioned him just being like such a traditionalist center and like he's such a perfect balancing anchor for this team you would think that like oh if they sort of had like a really um two-dimensional center like it wouldn't really work just because everyone is like so high flying and just like super fast and they get tripped up on their own feet sometimes like bless them but I think that's why JV's been so fantastic because he's also so fluid you know and I think honestly his time on the Raptors and with Lowry taught him that like his play, oh yeah like the his his playmaking and the way that he's kind of expanded with this team is just like not something we would have ever got to see with Toronto it's like raised to ceiling to for him to like do what he's doing there so I, I don't know and he just like he's never not smiling like he just, yeah. he's, like, <laughs> he's having a blast mm-hmm. and like like you said like the, those years with Larry he seems to just um, click with point guards and mm-hmm. just surrounded by these guards he's finishing their passes into like he's a, a, he's an amazing uh roller and just that 
he becomes like kind of a huge extension for these smaller guards, <laughs> which I think is so cool. He just becomes like an extra limb for them um, to, you know, finish those looks and everything. So uh, seeing him, like you said, like around these high flyers and everything, he just, he's like the, he's like kind of the gravity on the court for yeah. that team, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> keeping them like tethered to the ground, to the court. <laughs> He's like in all those, like, uh, before things go wrong in a space movie, when everybody's out on that, like, spacewalk outside the ship and they're all, like, tethered to someone, you know, before yeah. like, someone goes flying <laughs> off into space. They're all tethered to JV, but no one's going to go flying off into space. Because yeah, he's yanking them back badly. down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, because, yeah, I feel like without him, they would just be, like, the Hornets. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the Hornets could really use, like, a, a JV kind of just, like, bringing all those, like, bouncy, dunking, crazy passing guards <laughs> down to earth. Um, but yeah, that series has been great. Donovan Mitchell is not just like a one bubble hit wonder <laughs> with his no, performances. He's come back. He's looked amazing. Um, he's a guy I really want to do well. I feel like he's an easy guy to pick on for a lot of guys because of, you know, I feel like he's, um, there's something about him that's kind of corny. <laughs> oh. But when he's when he's playing well, I feel like it becomes more endearing and everything because um I feel like he could I feel like a bad season would just like another bad postseason would just kind of put him into like Paul George territory where he'd become like an easy target for guys. Um but his play has been amazing. Um he's also a young player that just has this crazy like veteran vibe about him that he's already exhibiting which I think is so cool especially for the Jazz who um, they have him and they have Gobert you know and I feel like he's a good counterbalance to Gobert's play like he's I feel like he's it's a very it's kind of like the opposite of the Jamal of the Jamal Murray um and uh Nikola Jokic situation where Jamal's kind of like the was he's like the it's the, like the opposite. Sorry, of, I have a, I have an uh, I have a, a analogy. Let me just flush it out here. Here it comes. It's, gonna it's be like you, you have JV and Jaw, where JV is kind of like this extension of Jaw, but like mm-hmm. for Nicola, Jamal is like an extension of him, and for for like Gobert and Donovan, I feel like Go Donovan is like kind of like the brains behind the operation. <laughs> where he's kind of like the sun and like everyone's kind of orbiting around him. Um, And like, I just, I love the team that the Jazz have right now. It feels like they have like this poise about them that I've never seen before. I feel like they come into every postseason, just kind of like their hair is static and everything. And they're just kind of like frazzled by everything. (laughs) But they just seem very, uh, very kind of stoic. And they're just kind of going through the motions and getting the job done, which is so refreshing. Um, so I, I hope they maintain it. Like, I actually do want to see them do well. I feel like I, I just kind of, I'm rooting for the most chaotic outcome for these playoffs. I want something that'll make Adam Silver angry. And I feel like they can do that if they come out of the West. I think like, it's a good point. I, I was a little bit worried about like the rumors that you kind of heard about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert about like whether or not they got along. And I think when you look at someone like Jamal and Jokic or like JV and Ja, like those are relationships where I have this sense like, oh, they, those guys, yeah, they actually like each other. But I think with, with Rudy and Donovan, I think they're more like they're work friends and that's, yeah. Yeah. They are like, they, they, maybe they have their tiffs at work and they don't really think about each other when they leave, but if they can figure it out, like work friends are sometimes great. You don't have a lot of baggage, you know, like (laughs) they're there to get the job done. That's that's all you really want from them. And I feel like that's the vibe with these two. Yeah, um, there's no like next level, like no. spiritual connection between the two. <laughs> no. And like, I think sometimes we deeply want that. That's obviously a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. But it's this is also fine. This is also more than fine too. Um, I also did want to say that I'm kind of torn in this series because I also want Mike Conley to succeed like in everything yes. he does. And he's been so phenomenal. Um, in the series. And I think also just because like he did sort of have a tough first season when he landed there, you know, Mm -hmm. and there was this kind of like, ah, like, you know, is he, is what kind of vet is he going to be? Like, is he going to be a vet who contributes? Is he just going to be a locker room guy? Like what's the vibe here, you know? And like with the way he's been playing, like he kind of helped carry that last win. Um, Like he basically helped bring them all the way back. I have to admit, like I fell asleep during this, the last game. (laughs) 
before I fell asleep, the Grizzlies were up. And when I woke up, there was like a minute left and the Jazz were up huge. And I was just like, <laughs> they lost me like 10. What day is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, feel like Memphis fans, <laughs> I feel like Memphis fans feels the, feel the exact same way as you do. Like, they're like, yeah, but we want to see Mike do well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. That They must be so torn. I didn't even think oh, of Oh, God, yeah. Oh, it's man. like watching Lowry like playing against you on another team. And you're just like, you know, if we lose this, I kind of want him to make it all the way anyways. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's like, it's like, it's the nicest person to take this from you, to like snuff your dream out. Yeah, softens the blow a little bit. For Grizzlies fans, yeah. So speaking of Nikola, we talked a little bit about him. Um, Nuggets Blazers. Um, what is that series at right now? Is it, it's, I believe it's 2-1. It's tied up. It's oh, 2-2? Two, two? Two? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're getting interesting now. So, no Murray, he has the, uh, I believe it was an ACL tear, which is just horrible because we not only do we not get to see him in the postseason, we don't get to see him on Team Canada, which is the roster is looking fabulous. Like, all the choices there for the coaching to pick through. It sucks that Jamal is not amongst them. Same with Shea Gilgis and Chris Boucher. I feel like the three players I was really anticipating um, look like they're not going to make it. Uh, for the tryouts and everything. So um, m- seeing Nikola make this a series w- without his co-star is just kind of amazing. Like there's an MVP candidate for you. Um, I feel, and also seeing, I, fe- I, I feel like if, it, what do you think about this? It's something I've been thinking about lately too. And we're going to talk about this later as well with the Bucks and Heat. But if the Blazers don't make it out of this with their you know, all-star, you know, backcourt and everything, all-star caliber backcourt with their, with Norman Powell, with a healthy um, Yusuf Nurkic. What do you think, where do you think they go from there? They lose to a Jamal Murray-less Nuggets Mm -hmm. team. What, what do you think is their future? It's a, yeah, it's a, I think it raises a lot of flags for a lot of Portland fans that I've spoken with. I mean, I think there's a question of like, is it, is this a coach thing? Like, do you cut Stotts loose? Um, is this a question of like, I mean, on paper, that team should work flawlessly, especially now with Powell. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. you've just like got the, you've got this kind of new depth with shooters, but I think it's like Dame. I don't even want to say Dame scared of the moment. Cause I don't think he is. It's just like he's still kind of time. <laughs> yeah, it's always game time. Um, but he still does sort of have this propensity to occasionally go cold, and then they don't really have an answer for that. Like Nurk, I think I wanted to see more um, from Nurk. Like I wanted to see a little bit of like him be like frenzied in a very good way that I think like throws opponents way off. And I haven't really seen that um, lately. You know, like yeah. he's just got a good sort of crazy style. Uh, and energy on the court and maybe he needs to bring that but it's interesting like I don't think it's a wrong comparison to say like I know we make this joke a lot because of Powell but I thought this before but like the Blazers do remind me a lot of Toronto just in terms of the makeup of the team and sometimes like the on paper stuff you're like why isn't this working and it is so frustrating because you're like they have all these amazing players like something just isn't clicking yeah they've been Raptors West for like since the last last five years, I feel like mm-hmm. people have been saying that it's Raptors West with them because they have that they have the um, high caliber uh, center and then they have that backcourt that that dynamic backcourt with tons of chemistry. Um, I feel like it's not really a sustainable formula in today's NBA. I feel like you either need to have that small forward that or that forward in general that runs the show, like you have with. Um, like you have with Bam, like you have with Giannis, like you have with even the Raptors, they have their OG, they have their Pascal. Like Mm -hmm. you need a small forward that takes the bulk of the offensive load. Or I feel like you need a star center with a dynamic point guard. And I feel like that backcourt, that undersized star backcourt duo thing is kind of dated. And I feel like we're seeing that regularly now in the postseason with them, that it's just not something that works in today's NBA. Um, people have too much v- size and versatility to counteract that. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a 6'5", 3D guy who can make your life a hell right now. Um, and it, it just makes it tough. I don't, I don't see how it's going to work for them. And honestly, I just crave seeing 
Dame, uh, whether it's on the Blazers or another team, play with a guy with size who can kind of become an extension of him and just open up his game further. Because like even Steph Curry had his KD, he has his Draymond, he has that guy that just kind of makes his life a little easier. I feel like besides Nurkic, who I feel like is not as dynamic as he used to be prior to his um, devastating injury, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 he's kind of on his own out there. When he's cold, it's it, CJ's usually also very cold. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. Norm is not enough to become that release valve. Norm was like the sixth man, seventh man on a championship team, you know, behind um, Fred Van Vliet. And although Norm is a starting caliber player, absolutely, I feel like he's supposed to be maybe your fourth or fifth scoring option. I feel like that's his best role where he he can kind of come in, fill the gaps, um, put pressure towards the rim, kind of stress out opposing defenses. But right now he's kind of overexposed, even though he's playing very well. It's kind of a situation where he's also like, if he's scoring big, something's going wrong, <laughs> it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even like a slight to him. It may be a slight to Derrick Rose, but with Norman Powell, he does what he has to do. Um, and I feel like they just need, we've been saying for years, they need that defensive small forward. But at this point, I'm just like, get Dame Lillard a star small forward or a star center and watch what happens. Like that's probably a championship caliber team or a favorite. Um, and I feel like, he wants to win so badly uh, in Portland. He's a guy who's loyal. He wants to stay with one team, all of that. Um, but they got to do what they had to. I want to see him maximize. I don't want him to become one of those players that, you know, um, does misses out on his chance at the finals or on a ring. Like, I want to see Dame Lillard on the ultimate stage because all of these clips we have of him doing these buzzer beater shots are all in, like, the second or first round, which is, like, I want to see it in the finals. And I feel like he can give us historic performances in the finals. Yeah. And I think like, I, you know, back to go back to him and CJ, I think like this wouldn't be a case of just like adding a dynamic big like that. You'd sort of have to break this band up a little bit, which is Mm. really sad to say. It's never fun. No. And just like, you know, they like these guys love playing together, but it's, it's just like, it's just getting them to the same frustrating point every year. Like they hit a threshold and then they can't really get beyond it. I also don't like, I look at the, they do have a lot of young talent and I don't know as much as I probably should just about the blazer developmental arm, you know, because I mm-hmm. kind of like, and we've heard that too. Like we heard that a bit from um, Gary Trent. Maybe that was just him being stoked that he could play right away with the Raptors because everybody was hurt <laughs> at that time. Um, so <laughs> he could, like get a ton of minutes, but I feel like we've heard that from other players where it's just like, they feel like they, don't necessarily have a clear sense of what the plan, like the developmental plan is for them and what that arc is. And I think that kind of happens when teams stall out at this point, when the focal point is on either like a trifecta, like in this case, is it, you know, Damon, Mello and CJ? And then everybody else kind of has to fit in around them or is it just Damon, CJ sometimes, I think. Um, so I hope that, I mean, that might be a thing that they, I don't know how they do that, but that might be a thing for them to figure out. We've got a lot of suggestions for the Blazers, I guess. Yeah, but hit us up. <laughs> I don't know. I just hate it when you see like a, these young guys kind of like relegated and you wonder like, could this have been like such a really, like so, could this have been a developmental year for them, you know? And like, could they have really made a lot of progress? I mean. They're in a tough spot because yeah. like, Dame is kind of entering that latter stage of his prime. And I feel like they're stuck in a place where they're trying to please him and keep him happy, keep him surrounded by his friends and guys his age and guys who are kind of in the similar mold of him as like, you know, scoring guards where it kind of has become less about um, winning by all means and more about um, creating kind of a comfortable environment for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, I'm all for that, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se, but I feel like they kind of need to figure out what Dame wants and kind of make that their goal. Let's build the perfect team around him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see what what happens because I believe they have their picks. Um, they have a good contract with CJ. They can extend Norm. They can have something to work with moving forward. Um, but it's just a matter of do they pull the trigger? Do they get new coaching? Do they do whatever they need to, you know, win at the highest level? Or are they? Are we going to see them kind of hover around this stage until, you know, these guys enter like age 33 to like 34 and 
um, you know, it's all a, a matter of seeing what happens. And from what I understand, Blazers fans do not like <laughs> Stott. So, um, yeah, I think they're getting to the point where they're a little bit over the guy. Yeah, and I honestly believe fans when it comes to coaching. I do not listen to media members and whatnot. If you want to get a vibe for what a coach is capable of, just look at the fans and what mm-hmm. they think because they watch this team uh, every single day, uh, every single game, and they would have an idea of what this guy is capable of. So if they're saying that he's kind of washed. <laughs> we, I'm inclined to believe them. So uh, we're going to move on to the uh, most, the more unwatchable series. <laughs> I think I'm just going to cluster them. The Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Wizards, Bucks, Heat. I feel like Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Wizards are um, have been un- uh, borderline unwatchable for the same reasons in the sense where the games haven't been too competitive. Um, yeah. For Nets, Celtics, I feel like the, the Celtics have kind of shown a... a a, you know, breath of life, and they won that game. They had the huge um, swing where I, I was watching the last one where uh, they managed to snag a game in game three from the Nets, and um, Tatum exploded for like a 50 point performance once again, which has kind of become the norm for him. Um, and they were down over 10 points at one point, but they ended up winning by like over 20 or something. <laughs> so that, that was like the one bright spot of the series so far. Um, they lost again today. So the Nets have officially taken a 3-1 lead. Sixers Wizards has has just been a wash. The Wizards, I feel like, have not led at any point (laughs) in that series, Um, which which can honestly be kind of a, a, a hindrance to the Sixers. Like, they get into the next round. I don't know who they face. Is it the Bucks? Oh, I should have pulled this up. Yeah, I need to find a bracket. But whether they're facing the Nets or the Bucks, um, it, it can end up um, kind of messing with their competitive level, just mm-hmm. kind of dealing with a team that's not really um, giving a fight for them in the series. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that game one matchup goes for the Sixers. Uh, but Joel Embiid has looked amazing. He's looked the healthiest I've ever seen him in the postseason. <laughs> so we might we might finally get a fully healthy series from uh, Embiid, which is, I guess, um, uh, one of the pros of that series so far. <laughs> yeah, the Sixers series um, is a bummer because I wanted them to, like, pull... I wanted Washington, like, I wanted Russ to pull a win out. You know what I yeah. mean? Like... Especially, game. <laughs> yeah, like especially given what happened to him um, with that, like my new personal enemy, but like the popcorn <laughs> fan. Anyone who did anything to a player in that like one night, like yeah, that was, was very strange. Yeah. I don't know what was going on in the air. I don't know either. Like it, that wasn't the moon night. It, I don't think that was like the crazy moon night, wasn't <laughs> like that we saw. It. Or maybe it was around there. Full moon energy stays lingering for like two. Two or three nights, like on either end of it, everybody. It's should a thing. That. It's a, I think it was yeah. my friend who told me that like crime goes up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. It does. Oh, and uh, the so the Sixers will play whoever wins uh, the out of the Knicks and the Hawks series. So. Oh. Okay. Okay. But you know what? To your point, they're kind of like they're not setting themselves up in the best way because that's gonna theoretically that will be an easy win for them, and then they go on. To face either the Bucks or the Nets from whoever yeah. emerges from that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that can and that's it. rough. Like, when you've kind of, like, I don't want to say coasted, because it is, the, like, there's still a tremendous amount of skill involved. And, like, these are all, like, all these games are slogs. You know what I mean? Every series is its own There's no um, battle. There, yeah, I know what you mean, because there's no, like, you need somebody to at least tire out Embiid or just make him work. Mm-hmm. He's going to enter the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion, quite well-rested. <laughs> no nicks, no bumps, nothing, um, yeah. which can be an issue. Uh, but also, you know, you want to see him challenged a little bit. Um, but, you know, we'll see. These guys are professionals. I, I feel like I haven't really seen that theory tested where, you know, a team has coasted through a couple of uh, rounds and then ends up with a big opponent and struggles. I don't think I've seen that yet, but I'm but not sure if it's like actually... It. Sorry, Sixers. what a team to test it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out if it's true this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what I'm Sixers, Washington. What, oh my God. I'm already forgetting. Oh yeah. Boston. Um, I kind of like, this is just backwards logic, but a part of me was like, what if the Celtics get a revenge game to stick it to Ainge? But like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, because Danny Ainge will be 
thrilled if Boston wins, uh, just to get back at him for being so absolutely vapid and clueless and out to lunch about what his black players experience playing in, in Boston. That was so odd. Yeah. Well, it's, it's odd until you're like, oh yeah, it's Danny Ainge. Like, yes. no, I mean, like, the whole, like, it started with Kyrie saying that he hopes that the um, Celtics fans uh, tone it down with the racism when he comes to play, which is, like, a reasonable thing to say. Like, players mm-hmm. around the league have always pointed out the Utah crowd and the um, the Utah crowd, the OKC crowd, and the Celtics crowd as the most, like, offensive with their uh, taunts to players. Um, and then you have... Danny Age, you know, putting on his cape and saying that no players approach him. Honestly, like I could see why they haven't approached him, <laughs> considering how he brushed off everything. Um, and that's like at any job, do you, are you going to like the CEO on a daily basis, <laughs> airing your complaint? Like even if they're legitimate complaints, you don't, you don't talk to those guys. And exactly. I don't think Age puts himself in rooms where players even would have the opportunity to talk to him. Exactly. Like what? Like you're at a gala or something. <laughs> Yeah, walk up to him. Yeah, and be like, "Yeah, like this fan called me so and so." But like, also, who are you? Did you play on my team? (laughs) My favorite was like the like literally hours, or even I think it was minutes afterwards. Marcus Smart had his pregame interview where he's like, "Oh yeah, that happens all the time." (laughs) Yeah, his own lies. I think it was Tristan Thomas and. Tristan Thompson and um, Marcus Smart, who said, yeah, it, it, it's a Boston thing. It definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird to feel, uh, like I just say this as a Raptors fan, but it is weird to feel um, a measure of, like, I like so many of the Celtics players individually. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, they're phenomenal players. I like a lot of, I also like a lot of them personally as individuals. Mm-hmm. Like, their politics are on point. Like, they've been such leaders, like, when it comes to anything uh, basically like important um, and they just seem really cool so it sucks that they have to play in Boston uh, it sucks that they've also had just like a really rough season it sucks what like Tatum's gone through with COVID like it's just I don't maybe they want to maybe they want a break maybe they want a vacation yeah maybe it's like a subconscious thing you never know mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the last thing I wanted to chat with, uh, uh, chat about. So it's the Bucks and Heat series. It was the one that was over quickest. Yeah. Um, yesterday, the Bucks um, beat the Heat, swept them um, out of the playoffs, and it's kind of amazing. This is a team that went all the way to the finals. I think they've only lost uh, Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk, so the Bucks definitely improved, and the Heat have gotten perhaps slightly worse, but we were still expecting a, a tight series. People were anticipating that the Heat would have won altogether, but the Bucks handled business. They got rid of them real quick. Not only that, but Giannis said, we don't want to play with our food, which I thought was a hilarious oh quote. Um, not something you want to hear from the, the star player after he kicks out your team from the postseason. Um, you know, he's a man on a mission right now. So the Heat, the Bucks look amazing. The Heat went down. Um, Bam at a bio really struggled. Jimmy Butler had easily his worst postseason ever, um, which I did not expect. Um, I thought, if anything, he would be, the t- you know, dragging the team through every game. Like, we saw his heroic efforts um, in the bubble, just, you know, putting the team on his back, exhausted every night playing, you know, minutes on minutes. Um, and it's, this is another team where I feel like, you know, you went to the post, you went to the finals prior to this. You don't really have a lot of your picks. Your assets are kind of questionable. A lot of guys are anticipating money into the offseason. I think um, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nell, like these are guys that are expecting to get paid. You know, they're in a weird spot. Um, do they keep it as is? Like it hasn't worked. They were at the bottom of the conference. You know, the I believe they were the seventh or the sixth seed matched up with. No, was it? Were they the sixth or the seventh? I think it depends on whether they were the, the, next six, they were the, the sixth. Yeah, they, yeah, were, they the were the sixth seed matched up with the three seed. Um, like, I don't know if they kind of keep things as is, pay the guys that need it. Probably going to it's probably going to be a huge overpay, um, and kind of mess with their future. Or do they do a soft rebuild? I'm not really sure where they go from here. They're in a tough spot because Bam is young. He's a guy who I think can withstand 
a small rebuild. But mm-hmm. then you have Jimmy Butler, who is, you know, getting up there in age, who is probably feeling kind of like in a win-now situation. It's different for even a guy like Kyle Lowry, who... You know, people would make the same arguments. Why are they keeping Lowry? Blah, blah, blah. I feel like it's not really comparable situations considering the, you know, history Lowry uh, with the Raptors as a mentor and the fact that he won a championship. He kind of uh, accomplished the pinnacle of his, you know, basketball goals. I feel like Jimmy Butler is, you know, waiting for his moment as well. So um, I, I'm really, really excited to see how they navigate their off season. If I'm being honest, like... I really don't look at this as a crisis situation for the Heat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's been so, I think it's like, it's when a team is swept, obviously there's a lot of like overblown speculation and just like very strange uh, takes and like ways to approach it Uh, as soon as the next day. Like I've seen, I've seen stories that are like the Heat are going to trade Jimmy. And it's like, no, like Jimmy's like whole career has been leading him to Miami He's yeah. staying there. Um, yeah. I think we also forget that, like, sometimes – I also don't think this – one, I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think there's any um, any weight to people saying, like, oh, you know, bu- this goes to show, like, bubble ball didn't count for anything. Yeah, I don't I mean, agree with that either. I yeah. feel like they were literally just playing the best basketball in the East that time. Yeah. And if you want to look at it, like, every series – every playoff – like, every final series is in itself – a little bit of an anomaly. Like yeah. when you look at what happened with the Raptor season, and I mean that like the Raptor season, the Warrior season, like any, the, the Lakers season, even last year, there are so many little factors that have to line up at exactly yeah. the right time. You know, like roster timing, play timing, like no injuries, uh, like momentum timing. Yeah, the Just stars like, have to align. Perfectly, like perfectly. And that in itself means like, I think every every playoff, like every title is an anomaly, but it just can exist as is. And I don't think it takes away from what the Heat did last year. Like they were like, that was just September. Like they were in the finals in September. That wasn't even a year ago. I just think like, this is a pretty, it's pretty easy to me and like clear to me what happened. Like the Bucks got a lot better. The Bucks did improve, which mm-hmm. I think like it was difficult to measure that in this season as compressed as it was. And I think the heat didn't, they had one that like there was, I think it was in February, January or February where like almost the entire roster was out with COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. They got hit super hard uh, with that. They had injuries. Bam said this in his post game last night. He was like, this isn't an excuse. And I hate that he even had to preface it with like, this isn't an excuse, but he's just like, we, it was really hard to find a rhythm again. Like, it was hard to get an offensive rhythm he meant for him specifically just in the way that he's played all season and the way he played, um, like, in the playoffs thus far. Yeah. But I think, like, Jimmy and Bam, like, these are still phenomenal players. I think the team will probably try and get another star to play with Jimmy and Bam. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a very competitive offseason, I think. Um, and I just think, like, in a normal year also, like, the way that they matched up, like, the Bucks and the Heat would not play each other in the first round. The Raptors, yeah. like the Raptors and the Celtics would be in there. Like that's usually kind of how the seeding works out or you'd have sort of buffer teams um, and that they would either like have one round to kind of get their legs under them or momentum. Like I think the Heat yeah. are a really big momentum team. The Bucks aren't really. The Bucks are kind of a robotic juggernaut team and they've gotten even more that way this season. Unfortunately, I still think the Heat's like biggest need is a point guard. And I say, unfortunately, because <laughs> part of me that is like Kyle Lowry just fits seamlessly there alongside Jimmy and alongside Bam. It's like, you don't even have to do anything. I don't want that to happen, but they're probably going to be looking at the fact that they didn't get him and they didn't want to, what they didn't want to give up for him is now going to look like peanuts. You know what I mean? Because of what just happened to them. Oh yeah. Like that hurt their value and they're expecting money this off season too. Yeah. So like, I think the heat are like, Oh, oh, we didn't, we didn't want to give hero up before, but like now we're pretty willing. Plus like all this other stuff potentially. So I don't, again, like that's not what I want to happen in my heart, but I think that's like Miami's top, top get is going to be a point guard because like Dragic is great. But as you said, like, 
Jimmy is kind of in a win now situation. Yeah. They've got a lot of, they've got some young guys, but like their best players are still kind of on the other side of 30 now. So what are they going to do to reconcile that? Yeah. Yeah. So basically that is the first round for you guys. That's a it. very long rundown <laughs> of the first round. Um, I honestly can't wait for round two. I feel like we're in, like we have a lot of, um, fascinating matchups in store um and i'm sure those pods would be much shorter <laughs> um but yeah uh what 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 matchup are you anticipating Mose? let's leave with that of the next round oof um hmm. i i mean probably milwaukee and it'll probably be milwaukee and the nets that's gonna be yeah, a lot of fun yeah, yeah that's blockbuster i cannot yeah. wait to see that cannot wait for you know i, I feel like no matter what, one thing that's fascinating about that series is that a team is going to be very disappointed coming oh, yeah. out of it. Oh, yeah. Hugely. So thank you, everyone, for listening. That is it for today's Dishes and Dimes. We can, uh, You can anticipate us coming out next week with a rundown of the second round. Um, so, you know, thanks for tuning in. And on that note, have a good night. <laughs> Or day. It's Monday morning, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>